Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. It's so good to be back again. I look forward to being here this morning. As usual, I feel very alive in the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to just share some good things with you. And hopefully that you will be encouraged in your walk towards home, towards heavenland. And that all the words that I will speak today will be a blessing to you as I know I've received them from the Holy Spirit. And I want to, before I go forward, I just really want to extend a very warm, heartfelt thank you to everybody that always keeps this little green pasture in prayer. I want to always tend to it as a little plot of ground and even perhaps fight for it like Eliezer did when his hand claved to the sword when he defended a little field of lentils. And if this is only a little field of lentils, then that sword, which is the word of God, will defend it. And it will also make it a safe place. So I want to welcome all my new subscribers. And, you know, I really have a really hard time to see you guys know to use the word mine or my, because I well know that my life is not my own. My soul and my spirit have been purchased by a great price by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything is his, and this little green pasture is his, and you are his, and everything points to him. And I just want to thank you for subscribing to the little green pasture. And I want to just not call it mine, but his, because I call it the place where the chief shepherd dwells. Because if he dwells in your hearts by faith and he dwells in my hearts by faith, then this is where he dwells. Also, I want to um, just thank everybody that supports this ministry, my Patreon supporters and other financial support means. And sometimes it's hard for me to say that because that's not what I'm about and that's not what this ministry is about. But I just want you to know humbly that it does make it possible for me to continue this work that's so important that I know is important to my heart, which means it's important to Christ's heart because anything that enters into our heart is something we love and especially it belongs to him. And so I just want to always be careful to say that to you guys because I look at everything as being his. And so without further ado, I am going to pray and I'm going to honor Jesus Christ. I'm going to honor our God in this and then I'm going to get started. Okay. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I come before you, Lord, and I just I just thank you so much. I truly do. From my very heart of hearts, I give you thanks. Because, Jesus, I look to you as the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, that everything begins and ends with you. Everything under the whole heaven is yours. And we are yours. And, Lord, all things are put under your feet. And I know that There are some things that will soon to be put under your feet. But Lord Jesus, we come to you as your people, as the body of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we bow before you. We bow low before you. And we acknowledge that you are holy. And that you are set apart. And that you're harmless. And that you are good. And that you're full of mercy and your truth, and righteousness, and all those things that are ever enduring. Bless this message, Lord, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, as I lay down my myself to, before you, that you be with my mouth, and that every word that comes forth out of it will come forth from your heart. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm just going to get started. I'm just going to start talking. You know, I speak a lot about um, there being more in Christ. Um, Fred Tomlinson, he talks about that all the time. And he's an elder brother. He's an elder. Um, He would know more about that, I think, than me. But I think all of us, we reach certain periods of our life 
and in our walk with Jesus Christ that we know we sense that there's something more. And, you know, there's a saying that us coastal people have um, that if we live anywhere else besides near the ocean, we call it being landlocked, <laughs> which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's other places to live beside the beach, but I'm just saying this is a saying coastal people say. And sometimes we do, we are a people that are landlocked because we're in this land and we have, we're on our way to another land, but in this land, we do become landlocked. We we're in this world and we're so in this world in such a great way. And I don't even need to fill in those blanks. You know that anything can overwhelm us easily. Each of us, I don't care how strong we are in our faith. Something can always come horizontally and knock us off balance. And there's a saying called sucker punch. I mean, if anybody, it's kind of a street word, meaning you get hit not knowing where it's coming from and you're knocked off balance and, you're all over the place until you can regain your balance. And what I want to talk to you about today is the life and the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know what anybody else is saying. We've all read we've all read testimonies. We've read this. We've read that. But I want to talk to you today, mano y mano, from my heart to yours, about him. And we are landlocked in our way of thinking in a religious landlock. Um, in our uh, mental landlock, in our spiritual landlock. When we think about the Holy Spirit, you know, we think, yeah, yeah, okay, so you get born again and he comes and he lives in you and he's a third person of the Trinity and anybody can peel off who and what the Holy Spirit is. And there's so much that we do not see about him. And so... Um, while I say that, um, I'm going to pull something up here because I'm going to get it ready to read to you guys in a minute because I asked somebody to send me something this morning. And uh, so what I want to talk about is um, I've been feeling something. I'm going to do my best to put it in human words. And you know as well as I do, it's really hard sometimes to put what you are receiving from the spirit into words. So I'm going to do my best. Um, let me see. I haven't received it yet from her. Well, let me see if I can refresh this. Anyway, it doesn't look like she sent it. Okay. Well, that's okay. Um, I'm going to do my best to remember exactly what she said to me. Um, so You know, when you start to pray and you start to feel the churning, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about myself. And if this ministers to you, this speaks to you, I don't like like talking about myself, but there's sometimes it's necessary to get a point across. You know, I, I've been a praying person my whole life, and I am very well aware when something's changing. And some and a lot of things that I've noticed that change with the whole when it comes to the Holy Spirit you'll start to move and you'll sense a movement. And then, you know, as I sense that movement, it'll take me some time to acknowledge it before the Lord. And then it increases until I get to the point where I can't take it anymore. And I cry out, what is it, God? What is it? And so recently I've been really, really looking to the Lord. I mean, there's a saying that uh, I've used before. It's like, sometimes you just got to sit down in the middle of the street. You just got to sit down. And you have to stop and you have to look to the Lord. And I mean, whether you are ministering the word like I'm doing, I mean, I think all of us are ministers of Christ in whatever sphere of influence that we're at. It's not just the person who's on a YouTube channel or who's at a pulpit, excuse me, my nose is itchy, um, that we all, all are called to be workers in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Every one of us, it's not just for the appointee. It's not for the uh, seminarian. It's not, it's, and it comes down to the fact that we're so busy looking at ourselves of how much more we could learn, you know, how much more we could do, how much more we could gather. And there's so much that goes inside of us that it actually blocks the life of the Holy Spirit. And yes, on one hand, I'm not going to backtrack because I get so tired of doing that. And I, this is towards myself. 
if I'm sounding harsh, because I think I try sometimes so hard to be like, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I know some people out there, they'll mistake what I'm saying or they'll take what I'm saying is this way. I can't make everybody understand, but I'm just going to keep moving it forward. And so I started to really, really feel a stirring where I was saying, Lord, and it had to do with, it began with these messages. I was thinking, you know, Lord, I, I can only go as far as you can lead me. Oh, I can read and I can study. But Lord, at some point, it's a lot of knowledge to me, but no life. Do you follow what I'm saying? And like something, I remember Fred Tomlinson, he was speaking and he said to me, not to me, to everybody when he was speaking in one of his messages, he said that he had read a story of um, Watchman Nee, who was invited to England and he went to a church. And after the service, somebody asked him, well, what did you think of the message? And his response was, well, it was full of light, but there was no life meaning there's no life in the spirit. And, you know, I've been going at this for a long time, and many of you have too. And those of you who haven't, sit back and listen. You know, we put a lot of stock in ourselves, And I know that's normal because there's a part of us that there are conditions to being, to keep ourselves in the Lord. It says, keep yourself in the Lord. Keep yourself from idols. Um you know, those who love him, keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous, neither are they burdensome. Um, there's things that we do. We're spring-loaded. We're born again. We do them because <clears throat> part of the outworking of the life within us, of the Holy Spirit, his life in us is moving. He's always moving within us. But something detrimental happens as our flesh begins to partake. Our soul gets too involved in a sense that... We start filling it up and filling it up and filling it up until there is no wind that we can feel from the Holy Spirit. There's no, we, we think we're hearing him. And next thing you know, we're hearing so many voices and there's so many people, you know, you've heard him and I've heard him, heard them. People that are so quick to go, well, the Holy Spirit said to me, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. Well, the Holy Spirit moved me. And, you know, I really, really have been taking some steps back and thinking about the Holy Spirit. I want to. Talk about him because there's, I think this is what I'm saying to you because I believe God wants me to say these things to you because yesterday morning I was sitting on my couch like you guys know I normally do when I get up to do my devotions and I was, I was praying and I, and I said, Lord, I said, I want to know that the messages that I'm giving your people are not just something that I'm remembering from what somebody said. I said, how can I know? How can I grow? How can I get higher? How can I grow roots deeper? How can I bear more fruit unto God, unto holiness, unto righteousness? How can I cast the gospel dragnet out? It's See, it says, Ecclesiastes says, of making many books, there is no end. And the, and the uh, much study is a weariness of the flesh. And I said, I don't want to become that. You know, this. I, so I, I sat there and I, 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 I said, I, I poured it out to the Lord. I said, I want to feed them living water. I want to feed them living bread. The bread of life, fresh, hot manna. I want to feed them Christ. I want them to partake in the bread of life. I don't want to feed them worm-eaten food and say, well, I have this from last night. If you guys are interested, just let me heat it up in the microwave. It's like, I don't want to feed old food from yesterday. I believe that the God that we serve that is from everlasting to everlasting of the God whose kingdom has no end, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, that he has more to give than just yesterday's fare. I want the living bread. And I felt myself pressing in. And you know what pressing in, you know what pressing in really is another word for intimacy with Christ. You know, when Jesus told Peter and Andrew, come and see, remember when they were following him from John the Baptist and they were following, they were following him. They were disciples of John the Baptist. 
And Jesus saw them following and they, he said to them, what do you want? And they said, master, where do you live? And he said, come and see. You notice how Jesus always says, come. He says, come and see. Other times we hear Jesus say, come and hear. We know after his death, when he was feeding, when, uh, when he was on the shore cooking, barbecuing fish. And his disciples saw him and Peter jumped in the water and swam to him. The disciples came after him upon the shore and he said, come and dine. And even at the very end, even at the very end, it says, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let all that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take of his water of life freely. Three times in the end, he's, it's like, I'm not going to say God begs, but it's like, I just picture these doors wide open in heaven and he's bidding you to come. He told Peter, Peter tells Jesus, master, if it's you bid me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Do we, do we really ask the Lord bid us to come? Because I was bidding him, Lord, bid me to come to you. And, you know, I sat there on my couch in that silent pause that we take in prayer. And in my mind, I was I was feeling just my humanity, you know, like, Lord, how can I feed them? How can I feed these people with life giving eternal nourishment? Something that lasts with them, that 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 stands the test of time. Haven't you ever had somebody say something to you or you heard something spoken to you? And it may have been 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but it's a powerful word. And it's as if it was told to you two minutes ago and it's alive. It's because that was from the Lord. See, things are from him are living. They're immune to destruction. It doesn't matter how old you get. Even people who have Alzheimer's and they even go into dementia. There's so many stories of them who knew Christ in their youth and they read their Bibles and they ministered the word of life and they prayed to God. And they wore out the carpet to the Holy of Holies. And they asked, they sought, they knocked, they inquired of the Lord in his presence. They sought the Lord while he may be found in their lifetime. And even while their brain was dying, a part of them by the spirit of God came out and they spoke sharp, strong, beautiful words that they remembered during their youth. So you see, there's nothing like the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like him. And so I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I heard God speak in my spirit. I heard him in that moment of quietness. I didn't expect it. And he said to me, you will make it hard if you keep trying to hear in this direction and that direction. But whatever you hear, whatever you hear from me, there's a flow. It's alive of its own self. And another thing he said to me, the greatest thing that you could ever teach to anybody, and this goes for you, the greatest thing is the word of your testimony. Jesus even says in John 17, verse 20, it says, not only will they believe on me. Let me read it. John 17, verse 20. He says, neither pray I for thee alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, meaning our word, you know, and, and when we love not our lives unto the death, it's easy to say that it's easy to say any of that, but, you know, but we have to have a life in Christ, but I want to focus everything in the Holy Spirit, because I thought about that when I heard all day that he was saying to me, Joni, it's, it's what you're experiencing. Is your testimony, is the sermon, what are you seeing in your life? You know, I remember um, I was reading about some artist, and I know he was an unsaved man, but he had this interesting art, and I was, I don't know why, it was a fluke, I just wanted to read about him, and I read something, one of his quotes, and he's, and somebody interviewed him, and he said, he, they asked about, 
you know, he didn't, I mean, he just came up with this art and it was just colorful and fascinating. And he said, it's art is really, everybody has it in them. This is a secular thing that he said, but it speaks to me spiritually. He said, because really the art that I make is really just a record of what I'm seeing, but it turned out beautiful on canvas. And I said, that's how you do it. You see, when we look at people of old, like Spurgeon and Moody and Finney, and you go back to Isaac Watts and Samuel Rutherford and William Law and William Gurnall and the Puritans and people in between. And it's like, I think, you know, something, it's so, um, they were, they were alive during their generation and they were seeing things for their generation. And so the things that they were teaching were powerful because what they were seeing affected them. So consequently, the Holy Spirit was saying that to me. What are you seeing? See, you can have a record of what you're seeing in me. You can preach my word for your generation. Because I believe that every one of us has a million sermons within us. And the Holy Spirit's not empty of any words to give us. But what happens is we don't really take into account of who the Holy Spirit really is and what he is. We know what he is, but who he is. And I want to talk about the who and the what. Because you see, remember when I brought up Peter walking on the water? Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. You see, before that, they knew what Christ was. They knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was he was God manifest in the flesh. John chapter 2 at the wedding of Cana, when he turned the water into wine, it said that God manifested himself, that he was manifesting that he was God, and they believed upon him. So they knew what he was. But I'll tell you something, on that day, when Jesus called Peter to walk on the water, and then in another, you know, and then the other time when he calmed the wind and the waves, peace be still, and they said, what manner of man is this? Now they knew what he was. They knew who he was, not what he was. They knew then who he was. And everything Jesus did was by the virtue of the Holy Spirit. Everything. He said, I don't come to speak of myself. I speak only that which I hear the Father tell me via the Holy Spirit. You know, what did happen when he came up out of the water? It says the spirit like a dove rested upon him. And abode upon him. We read about the accounts of the Holy Spirit. In every page I can go on and on and on. But what happens is. We take over the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why That's why we become bone dry. Like the dry bones in the valley of. Uh, the valley of dry bones. The bones were very dry it said. But the spirit breathed on them. That's what it says. You know, I don't know about you guys, and I would think I would have your hearts on this. That you're not going to have more of Christ than what you have of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, he is in you to bear witness of the truth. He's in you to ultimately prepare you for heaven. Yes, we can read about him. He's a teacher. He's the comforter. He will bring all things to your remembrance, the things that he has taught you. We can go down. You can enrage him. You can, um, he can, you can, he's jealous over us. He is a real person of the Trinity. You know, I want to share something. Remember I was talking to you guys, the last uh, video that I made, I was talking to you about my friend, David Neal. And I love David Neal. He's in glory right now. He is totally in the kingdom right now. He is enjoying the God he served his whole life. And he was a real deal intercessor from England. He really was. And I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of people. They'll say, oh, I'm an intercessor. I'm an intercessor. But nobody can make themselves an intercessor. It's God that calls you into the room of prayer. And it really is a place. You know, I'm going to say this on offhand. I remember there was this, um, I was talking to a pastor once and he really kind of was a smug guy. He really was. Because not all pastors are really nice, you know. And 
And he was like challenging me. Like, he's like, oh, I, I, you know, so you're an intercessor. Like, I didn't even tell him anything about myself. And I, and I said something about, yeah, you know, there's, you know, the gifts of, you know, intercession. And he's like, where, where does that say that? Like, it's like he wanted to have this awful debate. And I thought, what is there to debate about? You know what? You can intercede. You can pray. That just means you're, you're standing in the gap between the person and God. But there is, there is a life of prayer. It really is real. And those that are in that room of intercession, you can verify that yourself. I mean, it's not that your prayers, if you're not in that room, it doesn't make your prayers less. Be very careful to know I'm saying that. And it doesn't make those that are in that field of intercession, it doesn't make them more important to God and they have more stripes. It's a different work. Just like I don't have the gift of hospitality. I'm just really private. I'm like, I mean, I'm hospitable. You know what I mean? I don't have the gift of administration. Does that make me less than the person that has the gift of operations? Does it make me less than the person that has other gifts than me? No. It's one body working together. It's efficiency. Now, let me go back to Dave Neal. Dave Neal, I believe God put him into in my life um, because he was 30 some odd years older than me. So I was in my 30s when I met him, my early 30s, and he was probably in his 70s, late 70s at that time. And um, I believe he died in 20, mm, I want to say like 20 like 2012 or something like that. But he died well in his 80s. And he was a man that was very softly spoken. He wasn't quick to answer. And let me just say this about him. He was a man that was completely given over to prayer. When he would walk in the room... Jesus walked in with him. And all those that knew Dave Neal, if they were here with me right now, they can vouch for that on their own. The power of the Holy Spirit went with him. And I, it made me very quiet around him. And that's kind of something to be said about me because, I mean, I always had something to say back then. But like I said, I'm going to repeat what he said to me. There was one time he said to me in his proper English gentleman's voice, he said to me one day that the Holy Spirit had spoken to him and said, I see through your eyes. And, you know, when I brought that up a few days ago, I brought that up because it entered into my mind that moment to say it. And I started thinking about that. That if he could see that he does see through my eyes. That means he hears through my ears. That means every single thing that's coming into my mind, he's seeing it, he's hearing it, he's knowing the intents. You know, it says in Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the bone, the uh, marrow, even dividing asunder between the soul and the spirit is a thought and judge of the intents of um, Uh, Thoughts and intents of the heart. That's where he lives. And my friend Dave Neal told me this story because he always spoke about the Holy Spirit and he was extremely mature. And, And I believe the Lord is moving in my life in that understanding the Holy Spirit because it's not about this external, I'm going to read this book and that. He wants me to be quiet. He wants his spirit. He speaks by his spirit in quiet. Dave Neal told me a story. He said, you know, Joni, he said back in England, um, it was very rural where we lived. He said, um, I was about 14 years old. 
and I was with a group of friends, two or three friends of his. I think he said a couple of other young men. And they went out as young men do when they were out in the fields and out. And as they came along, they came across an old abandoned house. And he said, everybody knew about that house. It was a haunted house, he said. And I, and I asked him, I said, was it scary looking? And he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said it was scary looking. He said, so as boys do, they're re- you know, they dared me to go into that house. And I said, well, did you go in? And he said, uh, well, they dared me. <laughs> and you know how boys are. And I said, oh, he said, yeah, well, they went with me to where the stairs started. But then I went up by myself, he said, and I was scared. He said, but I went in. I said, did you see anything? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, did you see any demons, <laughs> any spirits? And he goes, no, I didn't see any spirits. He said, but it was everything that you would think of. It was horrible looking on the inside. I said, did you feel anything? And he said, oh, yes, I felt, I felt it. He said, it was horrible. He said, when I went in there, he said, I had to be in there for a little bit. So that was part of the dare. He said, but it was horrible. And when it was time for me to run, I ran out of there. He said that same night he began to have the most horrible nightmares. And he said, Joni, I was tormented by these nightmares. He said, no matter what, he goes, I'd wake up screaming. And I, he said, they were so horrible. I can't even talk about it. He said, it was just horrible. So I didn't press it. And he said, at some point, you know, he went on, he graduates from high school. And at some point before 20 years old, he does get saved, but he gets saved. You know, he becomes a born again spirit-filled Christian. And he said, and I started praying, God, deliver me, help me to get get these dreams away from me. He said, no matter how long, he said, Joni, he said, for 14 years, from the time I was 14, and for 14 years after that, he said, I continued to have those horrible nightmares. He said, and even after I was born again, he goes, I would plead in prayer. I would pray over myself before bed. He said, I would pray to God, please don't let me dream these dreams. And Every now and then I'd, I might go for a few days and it would be good. I'd have a good night's sleep. And then I would, they would come back again. He said, there was one night I woke up from a horrific nightmare. Like all the ones I had, he goes, I was exhausted from it. He said, and all I did is I woke up, he goes, and I yelled out. He said, Jesus, he said, help me. He said, I don't just want a reprieve. I want deliverance. And he said, as soon as he said that, he said there was this wall in front of his bed. And he said he saw two shadows meet like this. He said, and I saw the Holy Spirit. And I said, you saw the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm telling you, I don't care if you believe. This is his testimony. And I believe him. A man like that, I believe him. He And he was with tears saying it to me. And he said, I saw these two shadows come together like this. He said, I saw the Holy Spirit come this way. And he was very big. And I saw a demon in front of, you know, across from him. He said, but it was bent over and it was like you could see it shaking like this. He said, then all of a sudden, he said, I saw the whole, I saw a sword come up over the Holy Spirit's head. He said, and he began to destroy him with that sword. He said, and I, I actually watched him take that sword, not just once come down on him, but he took that sword and he destroyed him with that sword violently. And I, he said, and as soon as that was done, he said, it just vanished. And from that moment, I never had another nightmare again. And that's a unique story. I'm not going to say to anybody, pray that you see that he, no one would ever pray that. But the Holy Spirit did that for Dave Neal. Dave Neal went on to be you know, go in his life in the way of intercession until he was called home. 
you know, another friend of mine I was talking to this morning, her name is Frances, and she's another intercessor. And I really don't really know very many intercessors. I She's probably one, maybe a couple of others, but there's real deal women that I know. Um, I don't really know any men intercessors. Um, I know that they're out there, but uh, Frances is a real deal intercessor and we are, we stay connected. And I called her this morning and we were talking about some things I had been feeling about what the Holy Spirit has been showing me and about what I believe is uh, he is tending us to as a people. And, uh, and she had sent me a letter yesterday and I said, told her, I said, I'm so tired. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to read it in the morning. And incidentally, she had typed out a letter about what the Holy Spirit was showing her um, about how it grieves him um, that he's misjudged to say, well, the Holy Spirit, um, he didn't do this for me. And he didn't hear my prayer. And he didn't do this and that for me. And he, you know, that kind of a thing. Um and she still didn't send it to me. I'm just going to try to remember what she said. And we talked, she talked about how um, he he's charged with failure to perform what he says he is, to, Jesus says he's to do. That he doesn't inform, somebody wasn't informed by him. He, they weren't led by him. That he dropped the ball on them somehow. But the Holy Spirit doesn't drop the ball on anybody. He didn't drop the ball on Christ. He was with Christ. Think about it. the Holy Spirit was there. Genesis 1.1. I saw the Spirit. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You know what? I, I tend to look at that as an unsaved life, as a soul unsaved without form and void and darkness upon the face of that soul. But when the spirit of God moves upon the face of that soul, that's a life giving force from God. And maybe we might tend to we might even want to think and this thought is coming into my mind. That may be because maybe he's inactive in many of our lives because we've deemed him to be inactive. Did you ever think of that? I'm not saying you have to be perfect. You got to be this or that. But I'll tell you something. And this is just coming from my own heart because I just want to get raw and real. Something occurred to me. Something entered into me last night before I went to bed. It like came into my heart. It was so powerful. I said, I mean, I could have cried. I'm in a tiny apartment. My husband's there. My son's there. I can't start sobbing in front of the Lord in front of them. They'll be like, what's, what's she doing? But I said, I'm going to bed. I went to bed early and something was like screaming in my heart. I said, I want something from you. I said, God, I want something from you. And I laid in that bed behind me and I laid there in the dark and I thrashed all night long. I didn't toss and turn all night long. I thrashed in bed all night long. I said, I want something from you. I want something from you. And I couldn't get it out. I, 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 I just tossed and I turned. I'd fall asleep and wake up, fall asleep, wake up. I finally got up at 3.38 and I got into the living room and I said, I want something from you. I said, I don't want any more dead sermons. I don't want to go on a religious pathway. I want to go your way. I want the Holy Spirit. I want you, Holy Spirit. I want you to use this vessel. I want you to force everything out of it that has nothing to do with you. That's of the earth earthy. I pray that you scrape the walls of the leprosy within this temple and take it out to Gehenna and burn it. But I'm not going to live my life and one day appear before you and say, I wish I would have known that. I thought, no way, I'm going to press in because pressing in is really intimacy with Christ. And in that intimacy, I think to myself, look at, what's his name? Uh, uh, Nicodemus. He went sneaking out at night because he knew who he was. They knew who he was. They knew that he was the son of God. They knew it. 
Even in Matthew chapter 2, they told Herod they knew it. I don't just want to know what Christ is. I want to walk in knowing who he is. You know, I don't want to be earthbound. I don't want to be landlocked. Neither do you. And you know, I went on in prayer this morning. I said, I want nothing less. I'm not going to settle. I won't settle for it. I think of people who were alive during the third century AD. I think about our brothers and sisters of the Old Testament who didn't have anything. But God made up to it by his spirit. He spoke to them in prophets by his spirit. Sometimes he he would show up to them by his spirit. And his spirit, you think his spirit when it was the spirit was moving upon the water? Genesis chapter one. You think that he was moving upon the spirit moving across the void, formless, dark world? You don't think he's not moving upon you? You don't think he's not moving upon this earth? Oh, he's moving. But what has happened is a system, a church system that said, we'll take it from here. And if he left the temple in Ezekiel, and it was hard to get rid of him. He removed first from off the altar, and then he removed from the threshold, and then he removed from the door. Next thing you know, he was seen on the mountain. He left it completely. Who do any of us think we are just because we're postmodern? We have every book of the Bible. We have every resource, and we think we know it all. You know what really happened in the garden? Adam and Eve exchanged their authority for knowledge, and look where it got them. You know, ultimately, God is bringing everything into an eternal state. That means you. You're just passing through this time, and you want the Holy Spirit. He is mighty. Every Think about it. Jesus, everything he did was by the Holy Spirit. Why do you think he was always in prayer? You know, Listen, I know some people, they struggle with prayer and there's this prayer, there's that prayer. There could be a thousand books written on prayer, but I tell you this, if you can breathe, you can pray. But it comes down to the Holy Spirit in you. You can know about the Holy Spirit. You can know, you can answer everything, chapter and verse, but are you being led by him? Do you know his beautiful voice? I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the Lord opens your ears, that you may know his voice, that you will be led by him and no other voices in this world. Let me tell you something my friend Francis told me today when we were talking about the Holy Spirit. She said, you know, Joni, years ago when I was back in Florida and I was sitting on my couch and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and it was a time of quietness. And Francis, I hope I'm getting it right. But this is what I believe she said to me, if I can remember it right. She said, his words pierced me. He said, I am more than a shadow. I am more than a vapor. I am more than a ghost. You know, lately I've been feeling... That God is directing me to direct you to the Holy Spirit and to heaven. Lately, I've been feeling absolutely, if I could use a word magnetic, I can feel magnetically being drawn to everything that's above. That everything just looks like a shadow. It's not that I'm burned out on politics or burned out on this. and It's more than that. It's like something died. And I like it. And I'm absolutely magnetically drawn to Christ and to being quiet before him. 
before his Holy Spirit. And he's called the Holy Spirit for a reason. And I think the reason why a lot of people don't hear from him is just just, just throwing it out there. Is maybe there's some unholiness in your life. And don't be afraid of that word holy. People look at that word as some kind of high and lofty thing. Unattainable. Why would God say be holy as I'm holy? You think he's going to ask you to be something and not give you the power to do it? Who do you think gives you the power to be holy? Who do you think makes you holy? You're not holy by yourself. You're not holy because you read more of your Bible. You're not holy because you pray more. It's because, number one, you've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb, and you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit as the earnest of your redemption. And he has a work to do in you, and it is a great and mighty work. Bid him. Lord, I bid you. Holy Spirit, bid me to come. Bid me to come. I'm seeing the same things you're seeing in this world. I'm seeing what's happening in Israel. I'm not surprised. I'm not. I'm not saying that what's happening over there I'm not going to get into using words because I don't want my channel to get nixed. But I think to myself, remember Lot, as it was in the days of Lot. And you know it, how I'm feeling right now, and this absolute detachment from this world, but being made alive in Christ, it's like Lot. It's already determined. This world's going to go the way it's going to go. But like I said, ultimately, God's fixing what was lost in the garden. And that day is coming. And the greatest thing to do is is to get quiet. And hear him bid you to come. Because he's calling you to come. The spirit and the bride say come. And let all those who hear, let me say it right. The spirit, notice it says first the spirit. The spirit and the bride say come. It doesn't say they said it. It's an open invitation. These are the final words of Jesus. It's the letter revelation, the letter of Jesus Christ. The final revealing. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And notice it passes on like a torch. And let him that hears say, come. That means you turn over to somebody and say, the spirit is calling. Come. And whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Remember, it says it three times. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. Three times. Come. The choice is yours. You could either either live the rest of your life begging for God to talk to you, begging to have more, begging to have more, begging to have more. But it's a whole. It's, Jesus says the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. In the flesh, profits nothing. Paul says, "In the flesh, dwells no good thing." That's why there's nothing but a bunch of dead religious works everywhere. And I'll tell you this in closing, you know, I have been finding lately that in the very nature around me, in the very things that God always spoke to Abraham and to all his different people and how we 
Even Solomon in his great wisdom spoke 3,000 proverbs and 1,500 songs and spoke to them about plant life. And he talked to them about nature. That I'm seeing the Lord like I've never seen him before by the power of his Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit in you. You want to hear what he's saying. Make sure you do find a time and a place to get quiet, not once and not twice. It does say in Ecclesiastes, when you draw near to God, keep thy foot. Keep thy foot when you enter into the house of God. Be more quick to listen rather than to speak. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. And the greater aspiration, notice, of people that are born again is to go higher. There has to be aspiration in your life to aspire for more. But not anything this world gives, but what he gives through the Spirit, his Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you. The Lord give you his Holy Spirit without limit. And that his spirit in you will make you come alive and open your eyes to see that there is 10,000 more with you than with them. And to see that he is in you to love you to keep you, to teach you, to guide you, to instruct you, and to take you home. He will make the final seal. He will be there at your end. A hue, just like all of us, when it's time for us to go to heaven, his work in each of us will be complete. Let's make it easy on him. (laughs) All right, you guys, God bless you. I hope this was a blessing to you. I truly hope. This word blessed you and the Lord caused you to understand it and consider it for his name's sake.